Thanks to Cryo Malt. This is Beer is a Conversation. Now, normally, you would expect us to have either Matt or myself or both of us chatting with a brewer, perhaps a supplier, um, a hop merchant, or somebody uh, involved in one of the many ancillary businesses attached to this wonderful thing that we call the craft beer community. But today, something a little bit different for you, listeners. So strap yourselves in. It's going to be a bumpy ride. Uh, Matt and I are going to have beer as a conversation with about 30 of you. Because, um, Matt, my intro just went bang yesterday, and all of a sudden um, we've gone from crickets and tumbleweeds when we send out requests for people to uh, send us a, an email or a letter um, to... The bag is bulging to overflowing. Uh, yeah, uh, such is the uh, Brews News um, administrative uh, standards. We, uh, we we actually switched our mail server over um, a couple of weeks ago, but in doing so, we broke the automatic forward that if anyone has been emailing producer at Brews News, um, it's been going just to Joe, um, who I, I has been assuming that you and I have been included in the, in the distribution when we haven't. So I was talking to Joe and said, oh, we haven't had many uh, mail What are you talking about? Mailbags overflowing. And the penny dropped. So uh, she forwarded them to us. And, uh, they, you know, because we have a very educated, discerning uh, listenership, um, they're, they're great emails. So um, between that and my uh, beer is a conversation falling through this week in a horrific donut-eating accident, um, uh, we, we thought, well, let's have a conversation with our readers this week. It sounds like a plan. Um, <laughs> I guess you, you, I, your, your, your interest hasn't been piqued by the donut, <laughs> horrific donut eating accident. Oh, well, you know, bite your tongue, Matthew. Um, well, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes, you know, tragic accidents are, well, incidences of, of um, instant karma. <laughs> well, it wasn't my. Perhaps, uh, no, 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 not yours. No, no. I'm, I'm just saying that uh, uh, sometimes somebody trying to do something that perhaps they shouldn't be doing uh, gets caught out straight away. Um, and, you know, long story short, it results in them not being able to conduct a beer as a conversation with you this week. Yes. And, uh, and that. <laughs> you, probably, you probably should explain. I, I don't know whether he wants me to share this, but uh, um, Colonial this week announced quite a significant expansion. Um, and we might even touch on that in our regular. Um, Brews News Week, um, which we're recording tomorrow. Um, but I'd, so I'd teed up uh, to speak to Ash Hazel, who is long overdue um, to be on the show anyway. Um, and he texted me just before we were scheduled to record earlier this week to uh, apologise. And he said that he had a, he'd bitten his tongue quite savagely in a uh, donut. He was sneaking a donut in the uh, kitchen and uh, bit his tongue. So uh, worse, and he describes it worse than I thought possible. Can we please reschedule for when I can talk properly again? So uh, yeah, so unfortunately that fell through. We didn't have one in the can, and we didn't want to disappoint your readers. And we found this treasure trove of emails. So prof, let's yeah. uh, get into them. Done. And I'm sure all our listeners will um, will join me in um, in saying to Ash, get the food. <laughs> all right. Uh, no, we'll, we'll we'll get Ash back on soon. All right, man. Well, uh, let's. Uh, I'll kick it off if you like. And this is from uh, our first one comes from Alex. Alex Harris, uh, and it's um, a podcast mailbag question. Hi guys, been listening to the show for a while now. Thoroughly enjoy the thoughtful and in-depth discussions of the Australian craft beer community. I was hoping to hear your thoughts on craft beer culture and responsible drinking. It's no secret that Australian culture has its issues with alcohol consumption and social issues. I'm a member of Facebook groups related to craft beer and Instagram pages that review craft beer. There's little acknowledgement or discussion of drinking culture, drinking responsibly and safely, uh, and the craft scene. 
I never want to judge others' drinking behaviour, yet I feel that these communities and pages often deal in excess, presenting a skewed perspective on drinking behaviour. It was recently AUOK Day in New South Wales. There was very little discussion of any mental health issues or impacts of alcohol on social media from any brewery or community page. I felt this could have been a good opportunity to have an open discourse around the potential for harm that alcohol and drinking can place upon a person and family, as well as mental health. Uh, would be really interested in hearing your thoughts on this topic in general, as well as the community's and brewery's responsibility or place to promote or discuss these issues. Cheers. Thanks, Alex. Um, We've probably discussed this a little bit before, Matt, over the, over the years, certainly in terms of us as, uh, you know, the, the royal we, the community we, um, has, has a responsibility to uh, protect and promote um, responsible drinking, um, you know, sharing reviews and sharing that. But, uh, yeah, a lot of it comes down to got out last night and got shit-faced. No one wants to be labelled the fun police. And, you know, we talked about it a little bit. Um, well, Kerry, uh, oh, sorry, Zoe and I talked about it a little bit um, uh, recently um, in relation to, you know, shotgunning a beer on, on stage and, and what it promotes. And, you know, it, it's something that I'm, I'm pretty passionate about um, and, you know, but don't want, want to come across too preachy because you, you do. But given the question was raised, you know, like I, I think it is one of the, 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 the great untalked about um, things in our industry and you know beer which we celebrate for so many reasons because it brings people together it's social that mildly altered consciousness that comes with having one or two beers you know does aid um, re, you know it, it, it helps you feel relaxed and it helps conversation flow and you know feel good coming together but there is also a, a real downside for a whole lot you know in a whole lot of things it can become um, you know uh, if not addictive it can become habitual um, and it, it becomes habit forming um, in, a, in a way that does interfere with your life and I think that's a conversation that we need to have and it needs to be a fairly open conversation and I, I recently I was on ABC radio talking about anything other than beer um, but one of those you know discussed the news of the day panels um, and I was on with a libertarian and um, you know I, I think she thought that as a beer writer I'd be sort of all over this um, you know um, libertarian ideal of no regulation and people should be responsible for their own actions and I had to point out to her that you know, alcohol is one of those funny things that the regulation, the need for regulation doesn't just come from the, the harm that it can cause. But the funny thing about alcohol is the more you drink, the less um, you, you're you able to control your actions um, in, in a way. Like it does, you know, it does diminish your judgment um, in a whole lot of ways. And Yeah, which, which camp do you sit in, Matt? So I, I, I say we don't have an alcohol problem, we have a dickhead problem. I don't. I honestly don't believe that beer makes you, or alcohol in general, makes you do stuff that you wouldn't do if you didn't have alcohol. Like you may be more likely to, but it's not. It's not going to make you do something that's out of your nature. Yeah. Look, I, I might. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, like I'm six foot four in a you know bean pole, so I'm not exactly going to start punching on after a few drinks. Um, but then again, I'd sort of get a little bit mouthy. Um, well, just right. No, I, I, but, but that's what you've, you've probably just reinforced my point because you can get a bit mouthy when you haven't had a drink. Well, that, yeah, and, and, and that's no, but, but you the, know what I mean. It's, yeah, you, you don't go around, um, you know, walking through the streets looking to, you know, just being angry and wanting to punch no, somebody, no. and then having a few beers and turning that into reality. It's not like when you have beers, all of a sudden this different mat comes out. It's just a slightly less intelligible version. Probably in in my younger days. Um, you know, when you're just sort of drinking for effect, um, you know, like 
like I would just absolutely not drink drive um, now, um, and and I probably never did. But at the same time, you know, when you've had a few drinks, you know, I might have got into a car with somebody that, and, and you know, my judgment was down in some of the yeah, things. Yeah. Um, or, or you underestimate just you know how much you've, you've had how, to drink how much or, you've drunk, or yeah. the other drivers had to drink. Yep. And or, or and that's the the other thing is that you know you, you find yourself um, when you've had you know one or two suddenly that feeling. Um, is so good, you think, oh, you know, another one uh, will make me feel even better. And there is a law of diminishing returns, um, but you're also, your judgment, your ability to judge how intoxicated you are um, becomes less um, the, the more you drink, which is one of those ironic things about uh, drinking. It's a good discussion to open up, and it's probably one that um, would be worth... I actually reckon that this would be a great discussion panel where we get yeah. some experts in and, and look about the effects on the on, on the body and you know um and, yep. and also the effects on mood and you know and those sorts of things but i also the, the the worrying thing for me is that you know i'm whilst i'm not a libertarian i don't think government does legislation well because government has to legislate for the for the worst um and you know it's blanket well, legislation yeah. that affects yep. everybody to solve the problems caused by the worst people quite often. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, th there is that element of um, if the industry doesn't police itself, the government comes in and policing we'll itself, in. yeah. Um, and, and, and you do see um, on, on social media, you know, like Prof, we, I think we've talked about in the rule, I'll never tweet, um, in, not, even if I'm at a beer festival, if I'm sort of having a couple of beers with friends, I'll very rarely tweet um, or Instagram or post, you know, more than two or three beers um in in uh, in a day, because there is just a like if you're watching the feed, you're assuming that I'm you know having six or seven if I'm posting six or seven beers, um, and you know I'll, I'll never tweet. You know, sometimes we all it's just a byproduct of having um, a couple of you know nice beers. That sometimes the next day you're a little bit dusty, and I you know I I don't want to celebrate that fact. I think that we should all be privately ashamed of. Um, being hungover because it's almost by nature a um, highlighting that you have it's your body telling you that you've consumed too much um, and I don't take to social media and start bragging about oh, I've got the dark glasses on today because I'm really oh, a bit dusty this let, morning let it rip last yeah. night um, because yep. that is a celebration you know th th there is an element of that that's you know celebrating some of the negative aspects of alcohol but that you know that, that's a very personal thing but I just think that as an industry um, you know we need to have a conversation about you know is it responsible to have beer pong tournaments or is it responsible to you know be shotgunning tinnies on stage and is that the message that we want to be sending out we don't want to take ourselves too seriously but by the same token we we need to do uh to there deal with it responsibly yeah and, and i, I yeah. think we really should um have a bit of a chat around it yeah so great question alex anyway yeah yeah from too much alcohol to no alcohol at all uh this is from lee sloan hello sippers heard your podcast a week or so back talking about carlton zero and i don't know if anyone had mentioned what it is selling for if any excise applies to it i know very little regarding excise with beer or wine i'll try it when i find it here in brisbane just to give it a go on another question what is the definition of ipa uh, i know uh, why they were developed 150 or so years ago but what is out there now is so wide-ranging and varying are there any specific guidelines now or is it hit and miss i'd like to hear a number of brewers have their say maybe as a group debate well, let's see, Lee, um, Lee Sloan, if we can organise that. But for the first one, Matt, um, Excise, Carlton Zero, what's it worth? Um, well, yeah, look, funnily enough, I'm uh, just Googling uh, 
the, the, the price. Um, and, now, and remember that there's, there's value and then there's cost. And yes. they're two very, very different things. So yeah. if, if, if being seen to be having a beer in your hand, even though you're not actually drinking, um, is important to you, then that has a, a certain value. As okay. far as the cost goes, Matt? Uh, well, Carlton Zero is being advertised in Woolworths because you can sell it in Woolworths because it's basically a soft drink. Um, $7 for a four-pack. Um, Carlton Zero in Dan Murphy's. Um, that's ten ninety five, but I'm not sure whether that's a. So that looks like a four pack, but that looks like it's delivered. So, yeah, I mean, like you, you, you're looking at. Um, so is it, sorry, is it coming four packs or six packs? Or both? Uh, eight dollars per pack of six. Sorry, here we go. Member offer eight dollars per pack of six. Um, okay. Thirty five ninety nine per case of twenty four. Nine ninety five per pack of six, um, which is just a regular price. Um, so in, in short, um, no alcohol means no excise. Um, so you're just basically paying for the, uh, for the beer flavor. Um, so it's the, the cost of the ingredients plus the cost of the marketing plus the bottle and distribution and all of that without uh, the government taking its share. Yeah, uh, and Lee might find it interesting with the second part of his question about um, the definition of IPA and the history of IPA. I don't know what episode number it was, but early doors we spoke with Martin, Martin Cornell. Cornell who's a very good source on um, the, the fact, the fiction, and the in-between of the, uh, the whole story of IPA. But in a nutshell, yeah, it was a style of beer that came to be over about 150 years um, or so, uh, possibly even more. It developed. It wasn't invented by George Hodson in, you know, 1786, you know, on a, a ship going to um, the East, Indies, East India Company, yeah, um, that, that's a nice little story that packages up a couple of truths about the evolution of, of beer. But it's a, it, it's a style that it is what it is in any one slice of time. Because if you look at um, the evolution of uh, you know IPA now, and actually there's a great story that we ran um, that we'll talk about tomorrow um, when we record Brews News Week about Hop, Hop Hog. When Hop Hog was launched 10 years ago, and how much has changed in 10 years that um, that was called an IPA? It was at the lower end of the IPA, but it was certainly compared to anything that was going on in the market, um, it, you know, Jameson's Beast, one or two others, but it was such a bold, punchy beer. But even that was in the American, almost in the West Coast IPA style. And, and uh, I saw a review, somebody had canned a particular beer. And I looked at it, you know, oh, it just doesn't have that big citrusy. And I said, eh, I've got a feeling that might actually be an India, uh, an English-style IPA, um, which I'm guessing most people have probably never had. No, you know, whether it's a uh, Bombardier or Bombardier, however you – or um, uh, Worthington White Shield, those sort of classic in English um, IPAs uh, that I was exposed to long before, you know, the um, – Bear Republic and, uh, you know, Sierra Nevadas and, and all those other sort of, you know, very much the, the big punchy American style hop forward IPAs came along. Um, and IPA really, you know, it's, it, it's, it's hanging on to the India Pale Ale moniker, but the reality is that it's, uh, yeah, whether they're Nipahs or... It's constantly evolving. Evolving. You know, always yeah. different, um, always, you know, driven by the market and what the market's taste and, and you and you look at how much the australian beer market um has changed in terms of the flavor and you know whether it's lupulin shift whether people don't find a beer like hop hog it's, as being hoppy anymore because they're all drinking you know double ipas or whether you've got the new england ipa because oh gee i don't like that bitterness i love the hop character but i don't like the bitterness so we'll you know develop a couple of uh, you know styles that don't have bitterness but they're still 
you know, so you're seeing this constant rapid development um, at the moment taking place. So an IPA is basically, I, I, I love Stephen Beaumont's um, description, a style, is, be a, style. Yeah. Yeah, is, is an agreement between a brewer and a consumer. Um, and I, actually, yeah, I'll, I'll dig that out um, while we're chatting on and before the end of the podcast, just read it out because styles are constantly evolving um you know they do get uh crystallized a little bit um for a period of time in um style guides for beer judging competition so you've got a a formula but if you look at the way that the australian pale ale has evolved um you know since since uh, stone and wood released their um Pacific Ale, the original Pacific Ale. The original Pacific Ale, yep. Which is loosely modelled on an Australian Pale Ale, a little bit of hop character, and we've seen, and, and you're just constantly seeing the market change and, you know, what brewers, what, what consumers expect a style to be will constantly be changing, and so the style will constantly be changing. So, But, uh, Lee, great question, um, and uh, I, I think, yeah, that, that's another one that we'll put down in the uh, to-do list for a, a great discussion. Yeah, it'd be good to get a panel of, um, of brewers who, I guess, specialise in... Um or who are well known for their for their IPAs and get their opinion on you know how it changes and whether it, whether or not because um, you touched on a good point there that you know beer uh, judging um, around the world often reflects rather than direct changing tastes yeah so if if all of a sudden people are using you know New World hops or New Zealand hops specifically or Australian hops specifically um, and they find that they're not being fairly judged against you know uh, what is essentially a, a USA IPA. Um, style guideline uh, that you then create a Australian style IPA or an Australian style or a, a New Zealand or a New World or whatever it might be. Exactly. And I've got that quote here. A beer style is an informal agreement between a brewer and a drinker expressed via a label by which the former tells the latter roughly what sort of beer they're about to buy. Yeah, that's it. Pretty good. Spot on. Yeah. Beautifully done, Stephen Beaumont. So the next one from Ross Dean. Ross Dean, yes. Uh, g'day, guys. Have to say, <laughs> have you given me this one because uh, I get to shit can myself? Uh, thank you, <laughs> oh, no, no. Uh G'day, guys. Have to say, episode 186 was one of your best to date, covering off multiple topics in under the cook limit. Um, loved Matt's passionate discussion about Matilda Bay uh, being used as a vehicle for the Furphy clone. I know you guys have to be diplomatic, so it was great to see you not pulling any punches. I don't think we have to be diplomatic there, you know, Prof. I, I think sometimes we try and be balanced and see both sides of it. Um, I, I don't think we ever deliberately no. pull out punches. But anyway. No, look, a lot of what we talk about is, is you know, what do we think was the intention or, you know, we're, we're trying to read between lines sometimes and, and then just putting out our, our own personal opinion or our own personal spin on how we think they've achieved that. Yeah. And, and certainly, yeah, that, that, that came out with the uh, – nobody's going to argue that Frothy is a Furphy clone. It's, you know, it's it's clearly – it ticks all the boxes. It, it, it sounds just like it. It's made from all Victorian ingredients. You know, it's the same thing. Yeah. Uh, well, and, and, you know, like even this week, we, we did the uh, chat a couple of weeks ago about um, the Carlton Zero. Um, and, you know, made some inquiries of CUB and, you know, straight away got onto their marketing guy. So Tim Avadia talked about it, you know, said, oh, look, I'd like to find out a bit more about the process. They put me onto um, Scotty Vincent, had a chat about, you know, the, the process, complete, you know, discussion about it. Um, this week, uh, C- uh, Lion um, or Heineken have released Heineken 0.0. Um, you know, with this completely, you know, overwrought media release talking about, you know, the, how they've pioneered a new brewing process to to make this beer specially, and they haven't just taken the alcohol out of Heineken because that would have changed the flavour. It wouldn't have been as good a beer. Um, so naturally, I said, "Well, how did you make it then?" And uh, oh, we've got this special filtration process. 
Oh, yeah. Tell me more about that. Oh, um, oh, oh look, I'll, I'll find out for you. Suddenly goes silent. Um, you follow them up. You know, this special filtration process, is that reverse osmosis by any chance? <laughs> Uh, yeah, it is. That's already been invented. <laughs> yeah, well, but and and yeah, and, and that's the thing. And so, uh, you know, they're, they're obviously not used. To, and, and you've seen all of the drinks media in, in the country just spit out the media release, and no one's asked a question. And it, it's a style of beer that is the most. The only interesting thing about it is it's got no alcohol in, and you have to ask, how did they get the alcohol out? Um, because that's you know material to it. How have you managed to keep the flavour while taking the alcohol out? You know, what's the tricks? I find that interesting. So, the, I started. Sorry, this is a bit of a rabbit um, hole, but it, it it explains why sometimes um, you go harder on a, on a on a topic because if if they come out and say, "Look, we made this beer, we put it through reverse osmosis, that takes the water and the alcohol out and keeps the flavour and the solids there," but then we have to sort of tweak it a little bit to put it all back together without the alcohol and keep the flavour. That's fine, but being marketers. They don't want to do that because they don't, you know, it's basically smoke and mirrors. They want us to say, look over there, there's no alcohol and distract you from looking over here where, you know, the, the regular Heineken has three grams of carbs per um, hundred mil um, and no um, sugars. Um, Heineken 0.0 has 4.8 grams of carbs uh, per hundred mils with 1.3 grams of sugars. So straight away going, hold on, okay, so what have you done if you've all, all you tell us all you've done is taken out the alcohol and then you start digging through and you know they've added natural flavors and things like that. And you're going, hold on, okay. And and again, 1.3 grams of uh, sugars is a fairly small amount until you realize that this is lion that has been spending, you know, spent millions of dollars over the last three years talking about our beer is 99.9% sugar free. Um, under the natural beer promise. And so you're going, well, hold on, this doesn't fit in with that. And so you've, you've got all of this stuff going on that isn't quite true and they're trying to distract. And then when you see that they're not even willing to answer the questions, sometimes that's when you get a little bit punchy. Um, so anyway, Ross, so so thank you. Yeah, so... Uh, yeah, no, it's, he's, he's giving you a good a, a slap on the back there. Keep reading, Matt. We'll see if you can find a sledge for you as well. And we'll keep going. Uh, pubs versus breweries was mentioned. I can't feel too sorry for pubs when so many of them have become filled with pokies, tabs, shit food and neon lights. Breweries are really just being what pubs should be. Spot on. It's the evolution of the place we want to we want to go somewhere that isn't um, pokey. So couldn't agree with you more there, Ross. Uh, okay, here we go. Also, cans versus bottles was brought up again in your recent survey special. I'm surprised to hear that uh, no one talks about the environmental pros and cons. I'm all for cans because they require less energy to transport and less energy to recycle, although let's not mention mining for the materials for cans is more harmful to the environment than bottles. Either way, Bruce News doesn't generally elicit a passionate response from me, but I get infuriated when I hear Matt's concerns with bottles on the basis of their inelegance and the resistance from corporate tastings. Who gives two shits about what people at corporate tastings think? I'm assuming these guys are getting a free drink on their company's dollar, generally don't know the first thing about craft, and think a quality beer is a crown lager. Matt, you could lead by example and help to educate them that there is no difference between bottles and cans rather than just kowtowing to the perception of perpetuating the myth. That's exactly how my perception was changed 15 years ago when a much younger, bottle-loving version of me went to a brewery tour and uh, beer tasting at James Bogues Brewery and learned that um, both vessels were equal. Keep up the great work as always. Cheers, Ross. Now, I will have to say a uh, uh, couple of parts to that. Yes, um, I, look, I th- actually think the environmental impact um, of cans is one of the things that is most discussed about it. Um, and, you know, that it's 
that if there is a decent seal on the can, it's better for the uh, for the beer because it doesn't let light or oxygen in. Um, they do cool. Um, they are lighter, um, and there are all of those benefits. As he points out, um, I believe that cans become better the longer the aluminium is recycled because you take more energy to mine and turn the bauxite into aluminium for the can in the first place, which I think one use cans. I, I think I, I looked into a couple of years ago. So yep. All good, Ross. Now, on your point about you couldn't give two shits about what people at corporate tastings think, I think you're putting too much um, focus on the fact that I talk about corporate tastings because to me that's just a subset of a broader perception um, that you can never entirely separate the perception of a vessel. You know, drinking out of a nice glass is better than drinking out of a Vegemite glass. Um, because there's so much, you know, drinking out of a glass is better than drinking out of the, the, the bottle. But the feel of the glass, the you know, thickness of the glass, all of those things are going to have a perception about them um, that does add to the experience. And all I'm saying is those, uh, you know, th- there is an inelegance about um, cans that doesn't always lend itself um, to the, the same way that bottles do. And that's just, a, it, it, you're right, it is purely a perceptional thing. You're wrong in saying that I don't try and educate people about that because I do tell people and you know that cans are better and all of those sorts of things, but you can't make somebody choose. Um, you, you can't educate somebody that um, they should enjoy a can as much as a bottle if they enjoy because that is beyond that sort of perception is beyond any sort of rationality. Um, yeah. it, it's you know you, you can have two people and you can like one and not like the other and never entirely put your uh, finger on what the difference between them is and it's just what we take and and, and you, you can't change that and i just think that there is you know it's at corporate tastings that i feel it most strongly that there is you know if you've got a bottle and a can people do tend to like pouring out of a bottle more than a can um but it's not confined to that and i know that there are a whole lot of restaurants that won't serve um, canned beer because they feel that it brings the tone down. There were also plenty of plenty of restaurants that you know ten years ago wouldn't do you know gluten free or uh, you know low calorie or whatever, and things change mm. as 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 um, demand changes. Yeah, but look again. Um, I mean, if, I, I, if all of a sudden all the good beers are only available in cans, then people will start buying more cans. Well, you could say the same thing. Why aren't all of the good wines available in uh, two liter? Um, goon bags you know it's it, it's because there is a perception to it you know um you can store wine in a bag perfectly well um you know and there's a lot of resistance um, from some people to drinking uh wine on tap um even though there are so many reasons why wine on tap is much more environmentally friendly it's better for the wine it's better, you know, it can give you a better selection of wines by the glass at a cheaper price. Um, venues love them, but consumers don't really like rocking up to the bar and saying, oh, look, I'll have a, uh, I'll, I'll have a glass of uh, that tap wine um, because there's a perception thing about it. it. It's not an argument that you're ever going to win with somebody in the same way that you can't convince somebody that Heineken tastes better in, um, you know, Europe or, you know, Peroni tastes better in Italy. Um, if they think that it does... They're right. Perception is reality. Even, yeah, exactly. e- even when they're, they're, they're wrong, um, it, it's one of those things, you know, we're not talking about, you know, whether uh, one and one equals two. Oh, I've got an opinion on that. No, you, d- you don't have an opinion on that. It just is. Um, if you prefer a can over a bottle or a bottle over a can, 
I'm not going to argue with that because it's a preference. It's not a scientific, you know, formula um, for how you do it. But anyway, Ross. Uh, no, look. Uh, but again, yeah. So, 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 thank you. And uh, look, I'm happy to have a crack. Have a crack. Feel free to have a crack at him. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you can read the next one out, Matt, from uh, Daniel Massey. Just don't get sidetracked after the first sentence this time, if you can. <laughs> if it's at all possible. Okay, we are coming up to the cook limit. Hi, team. Uh, I just got back from holiday, uh, so we have a few episodes to catch up on and thought I'd better write to you and say thanks. I thoroughly enjoyed all the content from the uh, chat with Beer Cartel about the survey results. It was a great podcast, and uh, we have to thank our uh, great friends at Beer Cartel about the survey results uh, to the beer as a conversation with Simon Walkenhorst and all the beer news in between. While I was away, the unfortunate saga with Black Hops erupted. Um, all I could think of was, wow, in my opinion, they knew exactly what the reaction to the poem was going to be and were hoping to get a bit of publicity in a male-dominated uh, beer groups. Um, thankfully, as an industry, it was fairly quickly shut down and denounced by most. Thanks for having Zoe on to discuss from Pink Boots' perspective and have her uh, offer that insight. The Black Hops team makes some fantastic beers, so I do hope that they are able to redeem themselves and move onwards here, here. Um, if you have some inspiration... They could perhaps talk to Simon from Hargraves Hill about the beer brewed with the Royal Albert's bar manager, Jennifer, um, Gen X. Still a cool play on words and topical to all without being explicit and offensive. Um, and that's the thing, you, you can have some great names, Prof, without actually mining the you know lowest levels. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, on to happier things, the attached pick. Um, and he sent an infinity pool, um, which seems to be next to the ocean with some palm trees, which made me think it was Fiji or something, but he said it was from... Um, Tanzania. Tanzania. And it's a an adjunct heavy lager from the main brewery in Tanzania, which I wouldn't drink at home, but due to the barley effect, or I, I call it the, the bintang, bintang effect, effect um, yep. was sensational. It is one of the two main beers. The other one uh, is Kilimanjaro, is brewed more traditionally and proudly states on the label that it has no added sugar. Um, so yeah, and actually that, that's a nice feed into the last one. Um, when you're sitting in that beautiful location in Africa, um, you can get... Great pleasure from uh, something that you wouldn't have at home. Yeah. Blue sky, fluffy white clouds, uh, billowing palm trees, a pool and a couple of beers yeah. and not a care in the world. Any beer is going to taste slightly better than if you've just rushed home, you're trying to um, you know, answer emails, re- respond to a text and get dinner ready and, you know, and everything else is happening in the beer. Ah, it's just beer. And it's funnily enough because a lot of those beer groups, you see blokes posting um, – you know, photos when they're on holidays go, oh, this is the only shit that I could get. And you're going, mate, you're on holidays. Just sit there and enjoy it. Why do you have to post to Facebook about, you know, and, and run down, you know, a beer? Um, don't drink it if it's that bad. Find something else. But just enjoy it. That's what beer is all about. Um, That's it. But have anyway. a Singapore sling or something instead. <laughs> yeah. Well, have a gin and tonic. Um, but anyway, yes, so thank you, uh, Dan uh, Massey, um, who's uh, now frequent correspondent. Next one's from Pam Maidment, and this changes uh, the purpose of Brews News a little bit. This is a bit like buy, swap and sell or, um, you know, where people ring up and uh, ask the memorabilia guy, you know, I've got this uh, 1972, uh, you know, grand final record. What's, what's, what's it worth? I've, I've filled in – somebody's already filled in the, co- the crossword. Um, <laughs> So Pam says, uh, hi, I've just acquired a Carlton beer poster with a old man standing at the bar. It's the same as the cover story of Australia's beer posters, a collection of the best volume one by Michael Bannenberg. I was wondering if you could please tell me how much it would be worth. It's in fantastic condition, has been beautifully framed with wood. It does have some writing on the bottom of it, and I was told that this means it's a genuine poster. Can you please help me out? And it was actually David Smith. Yeah, who's oh, David using Smith. So, sorry. Raidment, so, yeah, I'm not sure um, 
how that came about. But yeah, look, at uh, we're a little bit of the antique road show uh, with this one, aren't we, Prof? Yeah, yeah. So that's from um, uh, South Australia. Might be worth, look, we'd probably need to contact uh, David and perhaps get a little bit more flesh on the bones. I'm sure, I don't know whether, like Banners collects, um, certainly he has a lot of uh, Banners posters. would be able to tell you if it was genuine. Yeah, and that's that's the key. I, I would have thought that, you know, um, the, I'm assuming it's the Ollis have, uh, have one at 11. And look, if it's a reproduction, if it's something that there were, you know, 10 million of um, printed, you know, print run and most of them are still around, it's going to be less than if it was, you know, a hand-painted original um, and it's still, you know, in, in similar condition. But we'll certainly pass that on to um, to Banners and uh, and we'll let him let you know. Exactly. Uh, we'll find out, so see what we can do. Um, and hey, listeners, if you do have something that needs to be valued, please get in touch. Uh, <laughs> For, for example, I mean, I've got some 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 beers that are are being salad, um, that are fairly special sort of beers. Um, but then I've also got you know uh, the very last um, run of um, you know Mountain Goat Pale Ale, for example, before they before they discontinued that. Um, I've got mate, I'm sitting at going, going um, back runners. to 1998. I've got um, I've got at least one bottle and mostly six of um, of every Cooper's Vintage Ale. Yep. I did a tasting of Cooper's Vintage Ale recently, like a vertical tasting of six uh, vintages. It was quite nice. And actually, yeah. Prof, here's one that I'll get you uh, involved in. Um, sorry, we're completely off the reservation here. Um, I, when I was speaking to Tim Avadia about the alcohol-free and then about Furphy, um, just while we're having a bit of a chat afterwards, I said, mate. You, you mean know, Frothy? Yeah, Frothy. Sorry, yes, we're speaking about, <laughs> yes. Oh, no. Oh, we're, we're, Freudian we're, slip. No, 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 <laughs> it's the same thing. Let's no, be honest, we were actually talking about Furphy. Um, <laughs> but um, I, I did mention that, um, I said, oh, mate, look, I was at a tasting the other day and the, the guy pulled out a 2014 bottle of Crown Ambassador and, geez, it was tasting good. Why did you stop making it? And he, you know, said, oh, I've got a warehouse full of it. Um, you know, that's why. You know, so I said, oh, mate, you've got a warehouse full of it. Some of the, uh, the plans. Ch-ching. Well, no, singing. <laughs> And uh, it turned out that they didn't. They had, had quite a stock of the um, 2012. Um, so I snapped up a... Pallet? Uh, well, not, not quite a pallet, but I did... Uh, <laughs> a case? Um, and, yeah, so at, at some stage, listeners, um, I'm going to host a... Uh, and we'll just have to work out where. Um, just a tasting of the 2012, because I still... Mate, I, it was tasting superb. Um I, unfortunately, I don't have a bottle of the 2010, which was the barrel-aged Breton-fused Australia's first properly done bar- uh, barrel-aged sour. Uh, I might have a couple and access to a couple more. Oh, could you? Uh, nice, nice to know. So we could we could do that. Yeah, yeah do we, a bit yeah. of a so, so you think we maybe do a listener a listener invite uh, like we did at um, at the Malt Shovel Brewery? Yeah, well, I'd, I'd actually like to collaborate with a like a bit of a chef um, and you know like do a. a Really nice because it, it, it's a very nice tasting beer. I'd like to give it, you know, we, we might have to charge for this one, but uh, actually have a, um, you know, like a, a nice beer and food matching where you can sort of have this beer because I reckon having it with a little bit of beef tataki or something along those lines, it would just go spectacularly well. Cool. Listen, now, now we are, we're bridging the cook limit. We've only got one more to go, which is from Dan Massey. One more to go. I'm just going to say that I'm looking across the room and Rana's dad, uh, who's a bit of a collector, he's got a pool room, so a lot of things go straight mm. to the pool room. Um, I'm looking across at a five-litre keg of Melbourne Cup 2 is new. Um, did you did you see these? Yeah, I've seen you, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I then thought the it was com- a paperweight. Yeah, and then the <laughs> Commonwealth Games Special Forex. Um, <laughs> two bottles of that unopened. So maybe we can throw those into the tasting <laughs> 
and see what a uh, five-litre keg of Tui's new Melbourne Cup tastes like. Anyway, um, Dan Massey. Hi, Matt and Pete. Uh, I'm a long-time listener and genuine fan of your podcast. Uh, I don't work in the industry or even a related industry, but I do love all things beer. Um, I moved to Sydney from the UK. Maybe I should be doing... I I wish we knew what part because you could probably do the accent prof. Um, Three years ago, and in that time, your show has helped me discover some great beers, breweries, books, as well as understand history and changing landscape of the Australian beer market. That's what we try and do, so I'm glad... Yeah, Yeah, we're doing the job. The recent uh, beer cartel survey brought to light the amount of tax on alcohol. I also fully appreciate the cost of craft, quality, experience and atmosphere. However, good beer certainly does come at one hell of a cost here in Australia. In fact, even the not-so-good isn't cheap. A couple of schooners in a pub or local brewery is a rare treat these days. Last weekend, I slipped into a well-known beer cafe for a pint and it cost me $15 for a pint! Yes, it was a fantastic beverage, but it was a bit hard to swallow. Um, I'm not on hard times financially, nor am I a grumpy old man complaining about the cost of everything. Maybe actually I am. Um, you'd fit in well on this uh, panel. But 10 years on since the GFC and supposedly sleepwalking in the next into the next recession, I do fear that we'll lose a number of great breweries when disposable income is tightened and nobody can afford such luxury. Beer shouldn't be an unaffordable luxury. Anyway, my only solution is to either brew my own. Actually, we might talk about that um, aspect and then move on to the next bit. And Dan, you have highlighted one of the great tensions in the brewing industry at the moment. We all love our local brewery, um, Prof. You know, we love the um, diversity of beer. We love hearing that this is small batch, handmade, lovingly made by a brewer yep. called Bob. Um, but that's expensive. There is one. There, there is a reason why the uh, you know IBA has figures that says that you know to make a million liters in the craft ind- to make and sell a million liters in the craft industry you're looking at you know 20 to 30 jobs per million liters as opposed to 0.3 of a job um, in the the big beer world and that's and that even includes coopers because you, it, it, it's a unit cost game economies of scale yeah, yeah. it doesn't it doesn't actually you, you don't actually make much per unit when you take into account just how expensive glass bottles or cans are that labor um, rent labor is the, the biggest part ingredients of, of craft and beer. then add excise onto that so you you're not making much per unit so the only way to make money is to sell lots and lots of units the only way to sell lots and lots of units is to shave all the edges and um, dumb the beer down a little bit so it doesn't really sort of it's not going to offend anybody. And then you end up with with mainstream lager, and that's and that's exactly it. And and, and as we've said a couple of times, uh, can't stress it more. Don't ask why this beer is so expensive. Ask why the other stuff is so cheap. Exactly. Yeah. No. And and, that, and that's a a great point. So look, but but at the same time, you know, all of us fall into it, um, in, in, into the the habit. And you know, like I, I love a coffee prof. You know, um, I have that stove top that I make my coffees with. Um, but you know, there's so much buggerizing around um, trying to make it that you know. I recently bought an Aldi pod machine, which I hate myself a little bit for. But when you're sitting here working and you want a coffee, but you don't want to go through the 25 minute process, just go bang in a pod, smash, bang. I've got a a, a decent enough a coffee, coffee. Yep. Um, that is serving the purpose. And I do hate myself a little bit about it, but um, you know, at the end of the day, that's it. And I'm more passionate about beer. I do. I am willing to spend a little bit more on beer. Um, I'm in a bit of a rare position because you know um, that's what we do for a living. Um, but it, 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 it's one of the great tensions, one of the great pressures. And just understand that the, the reason no one is gouging you 
for that um, ten, twelve, thirteen dollar um, schooner of beer. Um, and if you look at like a, or a pint, um, and if you look at a pint of Kieran um, at some of the upmarket places, you're looking at twelve, thirteen, fourteen dollars a pint of that as well. And you know that's when you're getting gouged. Um, but at the same time, like I, if if you want a cheaper beer and you don't want to spend as much on beer. Again, that's what matters to you, but don't complain about the lack of choice if we do lose some of these um, breweries because the small breweries are always going to be a little bit more expensive. Yep. Um, now, moving on uh, to the rest. Anyway, my only solution is to either brew my own. Uh, I did really enjoy some of your back episodes with Charlie Bamforth. I looked into cheating and getting one of those beer droid kitchen gadgets you spoke about a few years back, but I don't think they really took off. Um, now, speaking of Rana's dad, um, he's got my demo unit. I, you were staying at my house at one stage when um, I was... It was brewing away. Brewing yeah. away, very I noisily. I never got to taste any of that pills. Oh, yeah, but look, it, they do a great job. Um, you know, between the beer droid and the um, tap system. So you've got the tap, it's not tap king, you've got the beer droid which brews the beer and then the the part that does the um, kegged beer and pours it cold. Um, you're looking at about $1,600, $1,700 for the complete kit. Um, so it's an expensive way. It's a, it's like buying the razors and then, or yeah, the reverse of buying the razors, you've expenses up front and then you save money the more you brew. Um, and Rana's dad's been smashing it out um, and he loves it. Um, he thinks it's fantastic. Um but it's yeah, it is a big upfront cost. Um, they do seem to they've won a design award for it recently. It, it's still going, so and I still highly recommend it. But it is a little bit noisy. It's a little bit brittle. Um, they have had some design issues with it. Um, but it's yeah, home brewing is a great way of getting into it. But and look, it's no different to the I guess the people who go out and spend two and a half grand on a an espresso, you know, a plumbed coffee machine. Yeah. Um, that sits on the bench, and then they and never go, use it. <laughs> it costs, well, but it, but if you do, it, it it pays for you know you go okay. But if I had to spend four dollars fifty or whatever it is on a, a you know cappuccino latte, whatever, if I can do that at home, how long and you know how many co- coffees do I need to make before this thing pays for itself? But that's the point. You and, don't. And, you still and, and then and then what you get you get a price on your time. Like you say, if you're sitting there tapping out a story and you go, I really need a coffee, and you've got twenty five minutes to go away, you go, well, hang on, my time's worth more than that. If I can, boom, it's done. Yep. Yep. then that, that becomes a, a value added. And home brewing, if you're doing it for the 25-cent stubby, you're really not going to be getting a great beer um, because no. you, you need to put more time into it. And Freakonomics did a great um, podcast. Speaking of podcast, Prof, another one you should get onto is the Freakonomics podcast. But it, uh, you know, they, they sort of said, you know, by the time he, he grew cherry tomatoes and by the time he'd worked out the, the, the total cost of that punnet of cherry tomatoes, um, if he put a basic unit of cost on his time it's the most expensive you know meal that you're ever going to consume um but it's a hobby and you need to factor in that you're not uh putting in time because it's a hobby and uh unfortunately for great craft brewers it's not a hobby for them they want to actually get paid for their time and uh you know, if you want to say to your neighbour, um, look, do you want to grow cherry tomatoes for me? Um, they're going to be very expensive. Dan, thank you for uh, email. I've been meaning to write in and compliment you on the show for ages. It's been a long uh, way since the start, both in quality and consistency. Keep up the great work. And it has been like eight, eight years and we're coming up to 200 episodes prof and hopefully the quality is getting a little bit better and the waffle has been cutting down as we come up to 48 minutes. <laughs> in most cases, yes. <laughs> That's all we have time for on Beer of Conversation this week, folks. Thank you very much for all of your letters, um, even if they, you know, 
the, the ghost in the machine decided to chew them all up and then spit them all out at Joe um, in one fell swoop. Um, but it gave us a, an excuse to do you know, a separate um, – it, it would have just taken up too much of our, our Brews News Week, um, which we will record tomorrow, Matt. And um, I bid you farewell. Thank you very much for uh, today. And um, keep those cards and letters coming. Now, Prof, um, a couple of these – Correspondents have uh, already had, I think, a six pack. So I'll go back and check our records. But um, I'm—they're all going to get a bar blade and one of Deb Bake's um, gingerbread cookies. But also, we haven't sent out a uh, six pack for a week, so I'm going to choose two or three of these guys to to get a, a six pack. Too easy. And thanks again to the guys at Beer Cartel who are supporting us in in this venture of being able to just sort of reward our um, our listeners who take that bit of extra time to give us a bit of feedback and uh, and to bring up topics that you know we perhaps think oh no geez we've done this to death but uh, maybe it's just you and I you know chatting over a beer or you know when the the mics are not on um, it just reminds us that yeah there are issues that that don't go away and we're more than happy to keep chatting about them. And uh, speaking of which, we're going to chat tomorrow about the news of the week. That's it. Join us then. Thanks very much, folks. Uh, Take care. Don't forget, if you like what we do at Radio Brews News, you can help us out in a number of ways. You can sponsor the show, either by a small monthly contribution or through a one-off donation. You can find details in the show notes. You can review our podcast on iTunes or your favourite podcasting service. Let us know what you think and help others discover the show. Finally, you can tell us directly what you think by sending an email to producer at brewsnews.com.au. All letters received will receive a Brews News bottle opener, And thanks to our good friends at Beer Cartel, the letter of the week will receive a mixed six-pack of Australian craft beer. When Brews News cast and crew are buying online, we buy at Beer Cartel. We love hearing your thoughts on the stories we cover because beer is a conversation. And we look forward to another conversation next week. And we're out.